Welcome to Now Let's Talk, the podcast, where Vanessa Corwin and Kathleen Kahn will be talking to people about the challenges they're experiencing because of the COVID pandemic. Hello, I'm Vanessa Corwin. And I'm Kathleen Kahn. In her upcoming book, Pretty Evil New York, which was written and researched during lockdown, author Elizabeth Carey Mahone introduces us to some of New York's most notable female criminals. She joins us today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, I'm excited to be here and to talk to you guys. This is my very first interview regarding this book and talking about the lockdown, so. We're honored to be your first interview. (laughs) So for those people that don't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and did you always wanna write? So I am a native New Yorker, born and raised. I actually started out as an actress. I went to Syracuse, studied acting, studied acting in London, and I was a professional actress for 15 years. But I've always written. I've always loved books uh, ever since I was a child. I started reading at a very early age and creative writing was always like one of my favorite classes in school. And I was one of those kids who, if you had to write a 500 word essay, I read the first chapter of a novel. That was just, just me. Towards the end of my acting career, I really started to think about what else I could do that was creative fulfilling because the acting thing, I wasn't making a living at it. Didn't love the business, but loved acting. So I thought, what else can I do? And I thought writing. So for 10 years, I wrote and wrote and wrote. I started out writing romance and then I tried writing YA. And then out of nowhere, you know, we were all blogging in the early aughts, you know. So I started a history blog. I started writing about women in history that I was fascinated with. And then I thought maybe other people would be fascinated with. So that is how I started writing. Well, it seems that your previous book, speaking of history, Scandalous Women, The Lives and Loves of History's Most Notorious Women. You also had a blog on the same topic. So this is the way you came up with that concept that you just explained? I, yeah, I just, it it just came to me one day, Scandalous Women, writing about women who were outside of quote unquote society's norms women who were daring, who climbed mountains, who had lots of husbands in an era where you couldn't even get a divorce. Women like that, women who led exciting, tumultuous, turbulent lives. And it was just something that grabbed hold of me. You know, initially it was just for me and then you know, I slowly started to get the word out to people and people started reading the blog and commenting, but initially it was just for me. It wasn't anything that I thought was going to become a book. I was just doing it because I wanted to write about something that I was passionate about. Hmm. It's, it's gaining readership. I was working two jobs 
and also writing the blog and also writing fiction. And I was also the president of the local chapter of the writer's organization that I belonged to. And then the financial crisis happened and I was laid off from my investment banking job. And several of my friends had said, Elizabeth, this should be a book. Hmm. And I knew nothing about writing a nonfiction book proposal. So I did what anyone who does a lot of research does. I went and bought a book called How to Write a Nonfiction Book Proposal. <laughs> and I wrote a book proposal for Scandalous Women. And I was, you know, I was lucky because um, I had met an agent who uh, liked my writing, but didn't think that I had hit on the right project. So when I wrote the book proposal, the first person that I sent it to was to this agent. And she immediately said, I love this. I want to represent this book. I signed with her and you know, we worked on getting the, the book ready for her to submit. So now moving on to uh, Pretty Evil New York, how did you come to write this one? I guess my story is similar to you know a lot of writers. I wrote my first book and um, it sold very well, but you know I had a very hard time selling a second book. Lots and lots of book proposals, and I'm I'm a member of a lot of writers organizations. <laughs> so one of the organizations that I'm a member of, Sisters in Crime, the New York City chapter. An editor from Globe Pico Press had sent an email to the president of that chapter saying that they were looking for someone to write this book, Pretty Evil New York. And you know, there was a description of what they were looking for. And I thought, well, I can write this book. <laughs> I quickly wrote a book proposal because I've had 10 years of writing book proposals. So I'm I'm an old hand at this. So in two weeks, I had the book proposal and I had four pages of a chapter on a woman named Polly Adler, who was a madam in the 1920s and 30s in New York. So I sent that to the editor. She liked the proposal and she liked the writing of the chapter, but she wanted someone a little more evil. So you started to find these subjects, obviously, and how so, many are these? How many subjects do you have in uh, Pretty in the, New York? In the book, I have 11 women. I had started, when I submitted the book proposal, I had more women, but because of the pandemic and lockdown, I, I eventually cut it down to 11. So there was a woman that I had written about on the blog, a woman named Emma Cunningham, um, and the Bond Street murder. So I took that off my blog, <laughs> did a little work on it, rewriting it. And I submitted that to the editor and they offered me a contract for the book. So that took, that took about a month. And the next thing that I had to do is I had to um, submit the first chapter in a table of contents in January of 2020 which I did, and the book was, was going to be due in December of 2020, and then, of course, the 
pandemic hit and that threw everything whoo, up in the air in terms of how I was going to write this book. What historical time frame or frames are these uh, women from? And can tell us a bit about like the, the type of crimes that they committed. So my mandate for the book was the, the cutoff was 1950. So it could be any, any woman prior to 1950. And the other mandate was that it had to be the entire state of New York couldn't be just New York City. So that made, when I was looking for women, uh, that made it a lot harder because there are a lot more criminal women in New York City <laughs> than there are in, in New York State. So, you know, that was, you know, trying to find women who were outside of, of New York City was difficult. And the majority of the crimes in the book are murder. I have four women in the book who weren't murderers. Uh, Stephanie St. Clair ran a numbers operation in 1920s and early 1930s Harlem. Celia Cooney and her husband, Ed, robbed grocery stores in Brooklyn, the bobtaired bandit. Uh, Marm Mandelbaum was a fence and Sophie Lyons was a con artist. When these women were caught and punished, do you think in your research that they were given the same amount of punishment as men would have had at that time with oh, the same crime? Definitely. Most of the women, I mean, the murderers in the book, two of the women were acquitted. Uh, the first woman in the book, Henrietta Robinson, was sentenced to death, but then her death sentence was commuted to life in an insane asylum. The same thing with Lizzie Halliday. She was sentenced to death and then was, uh, her sentence was changed to uh, sentence for life in an insane asylum. Roxolana Druza was uh, executed. Mary Farmer was executed. Ruth Snyder was executed. So their punishments actually fit the crime the thing that's interesting is at the time, a lot of people thought that women shouldn't be executed. You know, there, there were two schools of thought that if a woman committed the same crime as a man, that she should get the same sentence as a man. And then there's the other school of thought of people who are like, you know, oh, women, you know, they're fragile little things. If they committed murder, they, they shouldn't get the same punishment. They should just get life imprisonment you know, women shouldn't be executed. But it seems some of them, as you said, they didn't get executed, but they were in an insane asylum. Did oh. they just assume they were insane? Well, Lizzie Halliday, she's one of the more interesting characters in, in the book um, because, well, again, there are two schools of thought. One is that she was faking insanity and that she was really using that to get off. And the other school of thought is that she was, uh, for want of a better word, batshit crazy. Going back to the, uh, the process of researching and writing during lockdown, what did you do? The libraries were closed. How did you handle that? We all thought that 
after two weeks of lockdown, everything was going to go back to normal. I initially assumed, okay, you know, two weeks and then the libraries will be open and then I can go back to my plan, which was to spend every weekend and maybe two nights a week at the New York Public Library at the Schwartzman Building doing research. One of my other mandates for Pretty Evil was the editors really wanted me to use as many primary sources as possible and not rely on secondary sources. So Elizabeth, can you just explain for those that aren't familiar with this, the difference between primary and secondary sources? Primary sources are sources that were written at the time of the crime. So newspapers, magazines, those are primary sources. Secondary sources are any book that was written more than 50 years after the crime or more recently. I'm going to just say for the first three months of the pan pandemic, I was useless. <laughs> the idea of, of researching a book, even though I had a contract, was just I couldn't wrap my mind around how I was going to do this. Finally, I realized that, and, and God bless the New York Public Library, they made a lot of their resources that I would have had to have gone to the library for available to people online. That made researching, once I finally got up off my butt and out of my pandemic fog, it made it a lot easier for me to do and to get those primary resources that I needed. Not all of them, but enough of them. All the research that you were now able to do online, was that the all of it for the book or when the library opened, did you go back to do more? So the libraries didn't really start to open until after the book was in. Up until I think, January of this year, the libraries were still closed. When lockdown happened, what they did was I was actually able to email the research librarians, tell them what articles I needed from certain newspapers that I couldn't access online, and they emailed me the PDFs. So what was the most challenging part of writing this book and then what was the most fun part of it? So the most challenging part is, I don't know how often you've read 19th century newspapers, but the print is tiny. It is very, very tiny. Elizabeth almost went blind. That was difficult, but it was, on the other hand, it was also fun because it, it's interesting to see the way that crimes were reported in the 19th century and how, in some ways, the way women were written about has stayed the same in terms of demonizing women who, you know, were supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Even back then, people were digging through their, their backgrounds and, you know, some of the women in the book, um, Mary Livingston, for example, who had four illegitimate children by three different men. 
that was a huge part of her 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 trial and, and the pretrial was you know talking about these relationships that she'd had with these these other men and so it had nothing to do with the actual crime they were no. just bringing up her past yes you know it's you know digging up the dirt and uh, at one point during her trial they had 12 women because you know women couldn't serve on a jury in the 19th century so it was 12 men deciding the fates of these women so what the new york world i think did for mary livingston is they found 12 women from all sort of walks of life to sort of be an alternate jury to sort of try her in the newspaper and interestingly enough, they, they came to the same conclusion that the court did was that she would, they acquitted her. That was, that was one of the, the fascinating things. The other fascinating thing was learning about 19th century police and how they went about their business. The police were initially formed not to solve crimes per se. They were really more like riot police and maybe solving some murders, but if you had your house robbed and you wanted to try to get your stuff back, you actually had to pay the police to get your stuff back. Otherwise they weren't gonna go and, and look for it. And also how at one point the mayor and the governor were fighting over who was gonna control the police in New York so at one point, New York had like two separate police forces. We hear you have another book in the works, Spectral Women. Uh, Want to give us a preview of that? Yes. So I'm actually writing Spectral Women with two friends of mine. They actually brought me onto the book, and I, I thank them immensely for it. And what we're doing is we're looking at women and ghost stories and how these women fit into certain tropes, like ghost brides, spinsters, wicked women, and, and, and what does it say about women through these ghost stories? So it's, it's, it's been fascinating to do the research. And the first thing that comes into my mind is Salem, where they had all the witches and the ghost stories. Well, yeah, uh, we we are touching on some of the the women who lost their lives in the, the Salem witch trials, but but also certain women like Lizzie Borden, right. ghost uh, allegedly haunts the house that she lived in where the murders took place, which for many years, up until recently, because the the, the people who owned it are selling it, was a bed and breakfast where you could come and stay. You know how certain stories like um, Madame LaLaurie in New Orleans, you know, most of the, the stories and the tours focus more on her and less about the, the poor enslaved people that she kept chained up in her attic and, and those deaths, even though those are the people who actually haunt her house. It's fascinating just to, you know, read about these ghost stories and, and paranormal investigations. And it's, it's, it's been really, really interesting. 
Well, we can't wait to see Spectral Woman, but where can we find Pretty Evil New York now? So Pretty Evil New York is coming out October 1st. You can pre-order it from any independent bookstore that you you like in your neighborhood. Uh, We love independent bookstores, but you can also order it from Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books A Million, Powell's if you live in Portland, you know, any online retailer you can order it from. But, you know, if you order it from your local independent bookstore, that keeps those bookstores alive. Yes, yes. Indeed it does. And where can people go if they want to learn more about you? You can go to my website, which is elizabethkmahone.com or scandalouswoman at blogspot.com. So on Twitter is scandalwomen as well. And last, but certainly not least, do you have any advice for aspiring writers out there? Well, two things. One, keep writing. I'm not going to say that you have to write every day because I know that that's difficult with people's lives, but keep writing. Even if, you know, you're racking up rejections that you could paper your wall with. The second thing is join writers' organizations, particularly if you're a genre writer. Like if you write romance or mystery or science fiction or fantasy, there is a writer's organization out there. Join it. Go to conferences, network. You will meet editors, you will meet agents, and then keep up with them. If you're on Twitter, follow other authors that you admire. So that's that's my advice. Well, that's great advice. Thank you. Yes, that is excellent. So this has been terrific, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your comments and questions to info at nowletstalkthepodcast.com and check out our website at nowletstalkthepodcast.com. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.